right, let's um, turn with me, please, to um, the book of Nehemiah. We're going to Nehemiah. We're going to go to the fourth chapter. Look, I'm going to read one. Uh, one I'll take it to one through five. Because I'm reading from the NIV version. We all there? Good? Okay. Let us read. And this is, uh, this is Nehemiah speaking. And these are the words that he recorded. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, well, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stone. Nehemiah starts to pray, and he says this. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. And do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Somebody said, now that's a bold prayer. <laughs> Amen. Today we just want to talk to you about, and I want to do it this Sunday and um, following Sunday, we want to talk about dealing with distractions. Dealing with distractions. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, God. We bless you, dear Lord. We thank you for this time of corporate worship. God, we thank you for the prayers that have gone forth. We thank you for the songs that have been lifted. God, we thank you that already some of us who may have come in feeling burdened, that we, have all, we are now feeling a, that burden being lifted and a sense of peace just by abiding here in your presence. And now, God, as we come to um, this time of the service, God, where we bring your word, dear Lord, I pray, Father, as, as always, that I decrease in self and that you have the increase. Let everything be done to your glory and to your honor. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 Any of y'all ever had to deal with some distractions? Distractions. Um, as we celebrate our 27 years of church existence, amen, 27. One thing that we had to learn real quick was how to handle distractions. How to handle distractions. Because whenever God is calling you to something, you can trust and believe that opposition from people and from situations will come, and they're coming with the sole purpose of diverting our attention and our focus away from our assignment. And that's not only true from a corporate sense, but it's also true 
for you as individuals and for all followers of Christ. Distractions will come with the intent of frustrating you, of discouraging you, and hopefully stopping you from going forward and fulfilling the dream, the purpose, and or the calling that God has for your life. Personally, I believe distraction is one of the greatest, greatest things that the enemy uses against God's people. And the reason I believe that is because so many people have been derailed from God's purpose because of distraction. They've been distraction. And it's for this reason that we just want to take some time out this Sunday and, and the following Sunday about how to deal with distractions, recognizing distractions and how to deal with them because everybody, if you're a believer, everyone, including pastors, especially people who are in leadership positions, have to deal with distractions. So many people have walked away from their ministries, have given up on marriages, have remained in debt, some have quit school, stayed in dead in jobs, and have even walked away from the faith because they have allowed distractions to overtake them. However, the Bible does teach us. It says when we are tempted, God will provide a way out. But the issue is we don't always take the way out and we fall into the pit of distraction. There are two great tragedies that I've noted, two great tragedies when it comes to the subject of fulfilling visions and purpose and carrying out our callings. The first tragedy is that a lot of people never discover why God even made them. They don't even know why they're here. They don't, they don't, they don't know their, their purpose on life. And, and, and their vision statement, if you were to ask them to, to, to write one for you, their vision statement would basically be, I, I just like to get through another day. They just get up every morning, they just want to make it through the day, and then do it all over again the next day. And the issue is, is that they never ask God what it is that he wants for their life. They never asked him. They, they, they never asked God to, to, to give them a vision, to, to give them a dream, to, to give them a calling. Uh, instead, they just go through life with absolutely no direction. And they're just bouncing from thing to thing. They allow situations and circumstances and people to control their actions. And, and they take little uh, to no control and absolutely have no accountability for their lives. That's tragedy number one. Here is tragedy number two that I think is worse than tragedy number one. This particular tragedy was for people who have discovered their calling. Many are walking in their purpose. They have answered their call. They know God's vision for their lives because they have prayed about it and they have sought God's direction. However, as they have been in the process of this journey of fulfilling the call on their lives, something along the way distracted them from what God had called them to, and so therefore they then walk away from that very thing that God designed and wanted them to do. That is one of the greatest strategies. It was tragedy. And that is a strategy that the enemy has designed with the sole purpose 
for the sole purpose of causing all of us to veer off track. And many believers have fallen off of that because they fell into the trap of distraction. And before I go any further, I just want to put a plug right here. And I want to just emphasize that the distractions that I'm talking about are distractions that come from the enemy. That's what we're going to talk about today. There are other distractions that the enemy didn't create. He will use them, but he didn't create them. But he will take advantage of them, but he did not create them. Now, he will take advantage of boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse relationship. He will take advantage of us trying to get caught up and trying to make somebody love us. He will take advantage of that and get you off God. He, he will do that. Uh, 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 and, and the other thing that he will do that he did not create, and he will take advantage of something as simple as, get this, our smartphone. Can I just pause right there on that smartphone thing, man, a minute? He didn't create it, but he will use it. And how he uses it, have you ever been in at, I have to say, your own dinner table? Or in your living room? Or just with some friends? And you notice everybody is doing this. Anybody with me? Am I telling the truth? Everybody head is down. There's no conversation taking place. Every now and again, a word or two might be thrown out. But we're all sitting around, supposed to be watching TV, but at the same time, we're looking at our phone. Can we be truthful? Some of us need to go to, de to desire. Some of us need rehab because we're addicted to our phone. Okay? So... We're going to shame the devil and tell the truth. Well, all my phone addicts, please confess it now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Ask God for some healing and deliverance and show up on Monday night, okay? So we're not talking about those. We're not talking about those distractions. We're talking about the distractions that the enemy creates, the ones that he creates to derail us and to get us off track. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books. He's one of my favorite people. He's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite books because when I just read about Nehemiah, I'm just so enthralled in just reading about his leadership skills. You know, his leadership skills are just simply outstanding to me. I mean, Nehemiah, aside from Jesus Christ, I would put, for me, I put Nehemiah. I mean, we got other good leaders in the Bible, but I put Nehemiah, that's, that's how much... I respect him because he, he is prayerful and he's humble, but at the same time, he's strong, he's very direct, he's very bold in what he does, he's, he's, in, he's intentional. And, and the thing about Nehemiah, he's so well-balanced. He is just a well-balanced leader. And, and so Nehemiah demonstrates for us how to deal with distractions because this man had to deal with a whole lot of outside rigmarole while he was going about God's business. But yet he was able to accomplish God's business in record time, in record time, uh, because he understood how to deal with distractions and not to allow it to take him off of his purpose and his calling. So this morning we're here in chapter 4. And that's what we're going to park for today. We are in, we're in chapter 4, 
And, and, with, and up to chapter 4, you see that they have been in the process of building the, the wall and so forth and so on. And all appearances, it looked like things are going well. Things are going pretty good for Nehemiah. And so we get down to chapter 4, and, and, and we get to chapter 4, and here comes opposition. Here comes opposition come, coming in. Uh, uh, they're in the midst of doing a good work. They're in the midst of doing a good thing. And right there, they're in the midst of, 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 of being blessed by God. They're in the, they're in the midst of, of doing what God has called them to do in the middle of it. And here comes opposition. Here comes some detractors. Here comes some folks that got a whole lot to say. And there's something how folks got a whole lot to say and they ain't doing nothing. But anyway, whole lot to say. So lesson number one, lesson number one, that this is the thing that we have to understand and so that we can stay on track. Just because, just because we are operating in God's will, just because we are doing what God has asked us to do, just because we are on point with whatever it is God has put us out there to do, it doesn't mean that God is going to stop distraction or opposition from coming. And I mean he's going to stop. God could have put a halt on that, but he, he did not stop it. And in fact, I will say to you, expect opposition to come. I, I don't want you to be blindsided. I don't want you to come rolling up and thinking just because I'm in God's will and you know you're in God's will that everything is all good and the enemy not going to come up on me. No, 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 no. He's going to come up on you and you don't want to be blindsided thinking that it's not going to happen because I'm good with the Lord. Yeah, you're good with the Lord, but God will allow stuff to come rolling up on you. And that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. He came rolling up on it. He was in the middle of advancing God's kingdom, and he was doing what he was doing. Let me tell you, the moment that you decide, the moment that you decide that I'm not going to be one of those half-hearted, uncommitted, lukewarm Christians, the minute you make that decision, the minute you make that decision, you can rest assured that the enemy is going to come in your way. Because now here, here's the deal. Here's the deal that you got to make sure that you understand. Look, the enemy don't care that y'all in church. He don't care about that. He really doesn't. He don't care if you get up every little Sunday morning and bring your little self up here in this little church. He doesn't care for that. He doesn't even care how much you worship. He doesn't. Get this, he don't care how much you pray. I'm going to tell you why. Because if your worship is only within these sanctified walls and not a lifestyle, you're not effective. And he doesn't care about that. If your prayer is not coupled up with some faith in action, do I need to repeat that one more? If your prayer is not coupled up with faith in action, because see, a lot of times we pray, but we're waiting for God to move and do something. Y'all ain't catch me on that one. Oftentimes we pray and we want God to make the move. We want God to do the work when God is saying, pray, but I need you to get up. Faith. Without what? what? Yeah, with what? It's dead, right? You got to make a move. So, so the enemy doesn't care how much we roll up in here. What he cares about is what you're going to do when you roll up out of here 
And are you going to take it and not be a lukewarm Christian, but be one that's, that's going, to, going to be in action? So the thing of it is, is that the minute, the minute that you make that decision, the minute that you make that decision and, and, and come up out of your spiritual uh, uh, um, apathy, the minute you decide to put your faith in ask, action, the minute you decide to take up that task that God asked you to take up, the minute you decide to do that and start doing it, because, see, you can decide to do it and don't do it. Amen? I need y'all to work with me. <laughs> Distractions will come. It will come. And even though it was God's will for Nehemiah to rebuild that wall, and all of those people, were the, the Israelites were out there working with him, God still did not remove the opposition. He still didn't stop the distraction from coming. Why didn't God do that? Because everything God does is intentional. Everything he does is intentional. And the thing of it is, the one reason I believe God didn't allow that distraction to be removed or prevented it from coming is because God wants us to always know and to learn how to depend on him. In order to confront and deal with opposition and distractions, you have to know how to depend on God. Let God walk you through that process. Because if you get out and walk it through on your own, and we're going to talk about it a little later, we can mess up. But you have to depend on God. He will allow opposition to come so we can learn how to, to depend on him and how to confront and deal with those distractions. Point number two. As we look here in chapter four, Nehemiah is giving us a setup. They're sitting up there working. Here comes Sambal. Sambal hurling all of these insults. Now, okay, some of what Sambal was saying wasn't wrong. Sometimes when opposition comes and people throw stuff at you, even though it might be negative criticism, it, it may not be always wrong. The Israelites were weak. The stones that they were using to rebuild it was messed up. So they wasn't, he, he wasn't, he, they was, it was not an untruth in that. But at the same time, if you would note, while he and, and Tobiah, because Tobiah rose up with him, and that's another thing about how some people, you know, folks who criticize you, they usually got somebody co-signing along with them. There's always a co-signer somewhere. That's a co-signer. So he's he going to roll up, he's going to co-sign. Probably wasn't going to be bad enough. And I bet you a nickel to a dime and Sam Dollar hadn't said nothing to buy him with a shut his mouth, kept his mouth shut. You know, you got those folks, they're not going to say nothing unless somebody else says something. And then they're going to roll up like it's all like they're big and bad. And, and the truth of the matter is, well, we're going to leave that alone. So the, month, the point of it is, so the point of it is, but if you know that while, while he was going up on to talking about Nehemiah, Nehemiah didn't say a word to Sanballat. And he was saying some, he was saying some hard stuff to, to Nehemiah. But, but Nehemiah didn't say anything. Instead, what Nehemiah did, he just turned to God and basically was saying, God, handle this. That's what we have to do sometimes. God, uh, you, you handle that. Because here's the thing. 
Just because someone extends an invitation to you to come into the ring to fight, doesn't mean you got to get in the ring. You, you don't have to go in the ring. Just because they send you one trying to get you in there, you've got a choice. You don't have to get in the ring. You don't need to accept the, the invitation. Because the thing of it is, the enemy uses people's insults, he uses their negative criticism just to get under your skin. You, you hear me? To, to get under your skin. And here's the thing, they might be under your skin, but let me tell you, don't let the enemy know that they're under your skin. That's too much power and too much control. Don't ever let them know that they're under your skin. Don't, don't go, go that far. So, 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 so Sanballat wanted to pull Nehemiah into an argument. He wanted to pull him into an argument. Because, see, he, he wanted Nehemiah to, to take his focus off of what he was doing and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him in an argument. And, 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 and he, wanted, he wanted Nehemiah to use his little precious energy and his strength and, 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 to, and, and his breath to, to deal, to talk to him. He, he wanted Nehemiah to do that. He wanted Nehemiah to get his focus off of his assignment. He wanted to get him off his assignment because here's the thing. And this is especially true for those who, if you're in any kind of leadership capacity, whether it's in the church, in a secular position, it can be anywhere. The point of the matter is sometimes people want you to get your anger up so bad that you will say something or do something that is going to be hard for you to come back from. It's hard for you to come back from. They would say some stuff. And, as, and, and especially if you're in a leadership, or not, or, and not just leadership, but any kind of managerial position, but even as a parent or a teacher or anything, sometimes people just want to, can get you to a point that if you say something out of your mouth, they're going to come back on you and there's going to be something that's going to be hard for you to deal with. You know what I mean? And so what happens is, is that if they get you into that trap, your integrity is the one that's on the line. Your, your character is the one that's being called into. And so you have to be mindful of that thing when, when people are rolling up on you and trying to engage you. Because here's the thing, you've got to decide what battle you want to fight. Every battle I hear is not for you to fight. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Determine whether it's worth your while. And here's the thing, the Lord will let you know what battle to jump into. If he doesn't give you an okay sign, let it roll. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. In our humanness, it, it can be hard, can it not? We're my honest people. I need my honest people. It's hard keeping this closed sometimes, right? Especially when you know they're lying on you. It is hard, okay? And what makes it even worse is when you got something on them. You got something on them. That if the Holy Ghost didn't keep your mouth shut, you could let some stuff up out of here. 
and, it, and it's gonna be one of them things. Hey, it's on and popping right now. You call me out. Here we go. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. But the Lord said, uh-uh, hold up. You ain't gonna do that today. Pump your breath, slow your roll. I need you to be quiet. And then he takes the wind out of your sail, and you're going like, oh, what I could have said. Ha. Isn't that frustrating? I got to be honest with you. Sometimes in the Lord that happens to me, and I'm going like, you know what, Lord, you just set me up. You know, right now, and I ain't feeling you, because <laughs> there's a whole lot I could have said right now. But it's about protecting your integrity and your character. You, you, don't, need to, you don't need to jump out there on, on everything. It, 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 you don't need to jump out. And, and again, that doesn't mean that we are to be doormats. Mm -mm. It doesn't mean you're going to let people just walk all over you. You know what I mean? It, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying choose your battle. Pick, pick your battle. Make sure it's a battle that God told you, go ahead, fight, I got you. All right? Just, just make sure you, 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 you check your battle. And see, See, and here's the other thing about Samballot and why Samballot was, was all up into with Nehemiah. Because, see, Samballot was coming after Nehemiah because he was afraid that a rebuilt, a rebuilt wall, a rebuilt Jerusalem, it was going to threaten his power. See, when Jerusalem's walls were down, Jerusalem was, was not a threat. And Samballot and all of the other governors in the area, they were okay with Jerusalem being down and out because they had no protection. But, but the minute that, that Jerusalem began building the wall back up and repositioning themselves and recognizing that we don't have to stay like this, that I can make some changes and I don't have to be like what I used to be, but the minute they began making those changes, sand ballot started coming up. We call that the sand ballot spirit. The sand ballot spirit. See, 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 some people are good as long as you broke down. They're good with that. They're good as long as you're struggling, can't make them bills pay. They're, they're all good with that. They're, they're good with that. Uh, um, they're, they're good. They're good with it as long as you're ineffective. They're good. They're good as long as you are not doing better than they are. Because the minute they perceive that you are on the come up, People start getting a little itchy. You know what I'm saying? Some folks. You know, I'm not saying everyone. They start, start getting it. And, and so when you start rebuilding it, and God begins to move in your life, and, and you start, and God starts opening up some doors for you, and some opportunities start coming your way, and some promotions start coming, and some recognition that you didn't even ask for start coming your way. And, and, and he starts he start, uh, opening up and spreading those, you know, those rivers that the Red Sea begins to open up for you. You know, you, your back was up against the wall one time, but, but now the Red Sea, your Red Sea experience is about to 
to part. And when those things start happening, everybody is not going to be in your corner. And so Sanballat was feeling some kind of way because his power was being threatened, his position was being threatened, and he couldn't handle Jerusalem coming into their own. Some reason why some of y'all got some issues because some people don't, don't want the fact that you're coming into your own. You're not, you're refusing to stay wherever you used to be, but now you have decided I am not going to be this way anymore, but I'm going to move on and see what God has for me. And I know some of y'all done lost some friends. I know. I know you're going to lose some friends somewhere along the way. Every believer who's ever made a decision to do anything for God, you're going to lose somebody along the way. That's good. They served their purpose. They did. They served their purpose because if they can't move along with you, then they got to either move out the way, sit back, but they cannot go with you. Everybody who was in your history doesn't mean they're going to be in your future. Okay? Or do they remain in your present? All right? So, so the thing of it is, so you, you have to be on the lookout for the spirit of Sanballat because when God starts moving, that spirit is going to come up. Last point, which is lesson number three. And again, it's talking about how to deal with your haters. You got to know how to deal with your haters, okay? You got to know how to deal with your haters. So, Sam Ballard's name, get this, means secret haters. Some of y'all got some secret haters. <laughs> Might as well let you know. Got secret haters. See, see, see if, you're, if you're about God's business, you're going to have haters. It comes with the territory. You know, so don't be shocked. Don't be going to bed, oh, Lord, no. I need you to take a reality check here. You, you're going you're gonna to have haters. Because, see, if, if you are about making something of yourself, you're going to have haters. If you think outside of the box, you're going to have haters. If you're bold, and I don't mean bold in a negative way, but I mean bold, you're going to have some haters. If you work hard, pay your dues. You, pay your, you didn't ask anybody to pay it for you. You pay your dues. And you made, the, with God, you and God made the impossible possible. You're going to have some haters. You're going to have some haters. If you don't have any haters, then you're not doing something right. You're not doing something right. Because you got to have some haters. Your name, your name got to be in somebody's mouth. Really, somebody's mouth. <laughs> Go home and check and see who name is, my name is in whose mouth. <laughs> Because, see, here's the thing. As your success grows, haters don't die. They multiply. 
okay? They just multiply. So now, we're gonna leave you with three types of haters. There are more, but we're, gonna, we're just gonna hit three. There is more than three, but we're only gonna do three. One hater gonna let you know straight out they can't stand you. I prefer that one. Give me that one. Give me that one. I'd rather have you. Hater number two, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about each one of these haters. Hater number two, they're the ones who hate you from afar. You don't know them from Adam. in their mouth. <laughs> you don't know them? You, 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 you never even had dinner with them? If somebody called their name, you go like, wait a minute, I think I might know who that is. But they know you. And they, they hate you from afar. They're not going to come up on you. They're going to stay in the back somewhere and, and going and and to talk about you. Then the, then the, then the third hater that's the real secret hater. That's the one that's supposed to be your friend. <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, that's the top three. We probably can come up with some more. We can roll up with some more. At least the top three. So, so. The hater that can't stand you. That's Sam Ballard. Sam Ballard did not, he was crystal clear about how he felt about Nehemiah and that wall and everything else. About Nehemiah, I bet you talked about Nehemiah, my mama, and everybody else. He was crystal clear. He, he, was, he was crystal clear. They, they, Sam Ballard, the, the ones that are straight in your face, they come straight at you. Right, they, they come right at you. They don't beat around the bush. You don't have to wonder what they're thinking about. You don't, you don't have to question their feelings about you. You are crystal clear. And, and, and the thing of it is, you, you, but you got to still know how to handle those kind of folks. You got to know how to handle those kind of sand balance. So this is how you handle, this is one way. There may be other ways you can handle those sand But one way you can handle those sand balance like that, the people who come right at you just come right up in your face. You got to handle them like you handle grease fire. Like grease fire. Grease fire, you can't put grease fire out with water. Because it's going to do what? It's going to spread. You can't, you can't put grease fire out with water. And, 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 and the thing of it is, you, you, when you handle these people, you, you, you don't want to water their hate. And watering their hate is addressing it. You don't, you want, you don't want, you don't want to, to dress it. You don't want to say anything because the more you say, the worse it's going to get. The more you say, the worse it's going to get. So, so, you, so what you do is, with grease fire, to put grease fire out, you got to do what? Smother it. Smother it. You smother it 
by don't giving it any attention. Because one thing I've learned about those folks that really dislike you directly is the other thing they can't stand if you don't pay them any attention. They can't stand that. They, they can't stand that. They can't stand that. And see, and the thing of it is when you don't pay any attention, see what you do is the message you're telling them is this. I don't have time for you. What you're saying does not move me. I got something I'm working on. I'm confident in who I am. I am straight and on point, and I'm not going to address you. Because the more I address you, is I'm giving you what you want. I'm not going to give you that. I'm not, I'm not going to give you that. And it, and it makes haters really angry because you didn't take, you didn't give them your time. You didn't give them your energy. But instead, you just kept going because you were too focused, too busy, and too strong to be concerned about what's coming out of their mouth. Because what's coming out of their mouth, what you're telling them is, what you're saying does not impact me. It doesn't impact me. The other way to deal with or to smother a hater, kill them with kindness. Now that really get them. They say something bad about you and you go like, oh, well, bless you. You know, I'm really sorry you feel that way. And you know, I'm really sorry you feel that way. And I really didn't mean to offend you. But you know what? Bless you because I don't feel that way toward you. Don't give him your strength. Don't, 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 don't give him that energy because that's what they, that's what they want most is your attention. So just don't, don't give him your attention. You, you got too much going on. You, you, too, you got too much going on. You know what I mean? God is moving in your life. He's putting some things together. You are on a mission. You got some things happening. Whether, again, whether that's in ministry, leadership, whether on your regular secular job, whether it's in your family, whatever, you, you got stuff happening. You know, good stuff that's happening. And the last thing you need is to get your attention and put it over on somebody who's hating on you. Because the problem is with most time people who are hating on you is because they really see a deficiency in themselves. And so because they see that deficiency in themselves, then therefore they start bumping stuff on, you know, they just start hating up on you and going through a whole lot of change. So don't do that. All right. So, 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 um, the second one we're talking about was the, um, just the people that hate you from afar. Um, these are the folks that are usually not in your circle. They're, again, they're not in your circle. But they stand off. And, and I, when I say stand off, they literally, physically, usually they're standing off. 
I, and, and, and they'd be hating you from afar, but they'd be talking negative about you. They're going through a whole lot of changes. And again, they don't know you. You don't know them. You might know of them, but you've never had any kind of interaction with them or anything of that nature, but they're going off of what they think that you are and your actions, and they're supposing and imagining um, what you're like, where you, you look like you might be mean. You, you look like you might have an attitude. You never talk to me. You don't know if anything was on my mind at that particular time. You don't know anything about what's happening. Those are the ones that hate you from afar. They're not going to try to get close to you. They're not going to try to find out anything because, they, because first of all, they're cowards. Because if they really had a problem and really had something, they will come to you in a decent way and say, let's talk about you. I don't have time for no cowards. You know what I'm saying? You don't have time for that. You don't have time for people who have a whole lot of conversation, and then especially when they're coming up with a whole lot of they say. Well, they said such and such and such and such. Well, we don't, we don't been down this road before. Who in the world is they? I'm going to tell you who I think they is. They is the one who's saying it. That's the day. That's the day. So, the last enemy, the last hater, is the secret enemy. That's the one that's supposed to be your friend. We call them frenemies. Frenemies. Don't put your hand up. Y'all got some frenemies. How many of y'all got frenemies? Oh, she'll put her hands up. <laughs> frenemies. So, frenemies fret as friends. They roll with you. They're in your circle. You know what I mean? They, they're in your circle. And, and, and here it is with frenemies, is that frenemies, they see your potential. They see your potential, but they're hoping you're going to fail. They do. They see your potential, but they're hoping they're going to fail. And, and, and I'm going to tell, tell you some little things that you notice about frenemies. Frenemies tend to make them little left-handed comments. You know what I mean? They say a little something other that make it sound like a joke. But when you listen to it, that wasn't no joke. But they're your friend. And they'll do it with a smile. Oh, girl, you know I'm playing. I oh, know you didn't. You meant that. Number one, it rolled off your lips a little bit too fast. That means you've been thinking about that. Okay? So they be making them a little joke. And the other thing that you notice with frenemies is this. So something good going on in your little life and things are happening. Frenemies, if you notice, won't compliment you. If you pay attention, your friends are going to congratulate you. They're going to be, oh, girl, I got your back. Oh, God, man, I'm with you. You know what I mean? That's your, that's your friend. Your frenemy is the one in the circle that's sitting around at the dinner table or running around in your, wherever you're hanging out. They're the only ones in the crowd not saying nothing. Here you have won an Oscar. And they're not saying a word. Here you have said, I've just paid off my car. I'm out of debt. Friend of me gonna look at you. I'm ready to start my business. Friend of me ain't even gonna show up to the party. 
that's your friend of me. That's your friend of me. They, they're not going to say too much, and, and the thing of it is, but, but, and the thing of it is, the truth of the matter is, with a friend of me, when they get a chance, they're really going to turn on you. Make no mistake about it. Eventually, they're going to turn. But here is what frenemies don't know. What frenemies don't know is that the Holy Spirit has already told you who they are. You just keep them there. You already know who they are. But, but you know, what's the saying? Um, the saying is, you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. No, you keep your, your what you're going to do is, you keep your enemies close, but you need to keep your friends closer. Because your, your frenemy is in the friend category. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? But the, see, but the Holy Spirit would have already, because you already got, you already, is something going down on the inside because you start noticing some stuff? Anybody know what I, you start noticing little comments, you start noticing little gestures. And, and, and I know in our humanness, we just kind of want to go like, oh, well, I'm just going to give them a break. But deep down inside, you know. You, 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 you know, you got that number. But you just let them ride with you. Because it's better to have them nearby. So when that, when that bad boy jump off, <laughs> you can be able to handle it. You know what I'm saying? But you already know who they are. And see, and, and, and see that's, that's the thing of it is, is that they don't always get it. But, but the enemy has, has already, uh, has already uh, I mean, uh, pardon me, the Holy Spirit has already allowed you to, re to know the truth of who they are. And see, because the thing of it is, when you're about something decent, when you're about, and this, this is for everybody who's, who is really, you know, you just want to do what God has asked you to do. What God has asked you to do. And the thing of it is, understand this, you always going to have a Judas in your circle. Okay? You're going to have a Judas. And that's okay. Because Judas propels you to your destiny. You're going to be there. I'm not going to say your feelings not going to be hurt. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, because we're human. It does offend. You know, it does offend. It does hurt. But they, they propel you into your destiny. Because, see, it, what it happens is be, you, will be, you are being shaped and you're being strengthened with how to deal with people because as you move and advance, you have to not only know how to deal with friends, but you got to know how to deal with foes. You, you can't not just know how to deal, you can't just walk away from people you don't like. Or I should say, who don't like you. They're gonna be, they're gonna be in your circle. So, you know, if you're a leader, they're going to be in whatever organization you're leading. If you're on a job and you're a supervisor, they're going to be there. They're going to be in your circle. If you're in a leadership position in a church, they're going to be, you're going to find them. I'm not saying that in every minute. I'm not saying that. You're going to be in a ministry. Pastors know there is, going, there is a Judas in your congregation. You already know that. You know it going in. You know it going in. But you have to know how to deal with all that. And so, so here, here's the takeaway as we close about this distraction for today. And, and that is, God will use distractions. He's going to use distractions to see if you're ready to move to the next level. He's going to use it 
to see if you're going to, because you're going to have to know how to handle it. You're going to have to know how to, are you ready for the mission he's about to send you out on? Are you ready for the work that he's about to give you? Are you ready for the door that he's about to open for you? Are you ready for that, that next thing that he has for you? Are, you? are you ready? Are you ready for that business that you said you want to launch and you are in the preparing? Are you ready for it? Are, are you ready? Can you handle the pressure of success? Can you handle that? Because in order to handle success, you have to know how to deal with distractions and you've got to know how to deal with haters because if you don't know how to deal with them, you will sink. You will sink. And so, and so God will bring them in because he, he's gonna, he, he, he understands that, that malicious uh, words and gossip can throw you off your game. You have to know how to stay on your point. You've got to know how to stay in that path and not let negativity throw you off your game. Don't let gossip throw you off. Don't let naysayers throw you off. Don't let haters take you out of the fight. Don't, don't do that because you're playing right into the enemy's hand. And there's so many Christians right now as we speak who are sitting home at nobody's church because they got caught up in distraction. And they're right where the, they're right where the enemy wants them to be. Ineffective, sitting home with church hurt and everything else and not doing a thing for the kingdom and they are right in the enemy's hand. We don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. And so the thing of it is, is that God wants us to learn how to deal with them you got to learn how to manage your emotions and your attitude. And here's the thing. You have to learn and know how to forgive your haters. Because you can't be hating on the haters. No. you got to forgive your haters. I said you got to let them back in your circle. What I'm saying is you have to, you have to release that and let that go and forgive them in order to move on and pray. That, that they will come into God's will and to his way because that's the issue. They're out of his will. And so you're just praying for God to just move in their life so that they too can have a good life and be where God wants them to be. Amen? Can you receive that for today? God bless you.